1: you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com/slash host.
2: Welcome to the DFO Rundown Podcast with Frank Saravalli and Jason Greger on dailyfaceoff.com. Welcome to episode 222 of the DFO Rundown, brought to you by Botano, 19+. plus. Please play responsibly. The game starts now at Botano.ca. Uh, 222, hey, third of the way there. The old uh, 666, see if we make it. Who knows? Hmm. Uh, Jason Greger alongside uh, Frank Saravali, And I uh, mentioned I uh, segue into the six because uh, it is game six tonight. The uh, Dallas Stars, I think, have surprised everyone. How many people, if you would have asked him if Jamie Ben was going to play another game in the playoffs, would have said yes. But here we are. And uh, Jamie Ben returns to the lineup tonight. And the Dallas Stars have a chance to uh, force a game seven, um, which has happened, of course, before. But only four teams have ever completed the uh, miracle comeback from down 0-3. And I witnessed we'll one of them. Yeah, We'll see, man. They uh, they look good in Game Five. I was surprised. I, I thought Aiden Hill kept that game closer than what the scoreboard was.
3: Yeah, and you heard Bruce
2: Cassidy absolutely blast the Golden Knights too.
3: Um, here's where it gets really interesting. Is like you, you know you kind of framed it like make it all the way back. What happened in this series already doesn't really matter. How many teams have come back from three two? A lot. There's one or two, three every spring that do it. So what's in front of them now is not the crazy part or the difficult part. They already got through that, if that makes any sense. It's hard to fight off a sweep, and it's hard to then you know, summon the energy. You're going back home anyway, but if you're Vegas, you're trying to close that out. Now they have the chance to put all the pressure. I think the pressure already is on the Golden Knights. If they're heading home... Home for game seven, it's a totally different discussion and conversation about it's it's the old Terry Mary line. This is a choking situation. That's that's what you'd be dealing with if you're the Golden Knights.
2: Yeah, I, I still give them the advantage because, of course, they got two swings at it to where uh, Dallas is on uh, one and done. They lose any game. They're out. So, you know what? Hey, I give the stars credit and not surprising that uh, Dallas has started to play well when their best guys, the guys that are supposed to score, start scoring. Jason Robertson has uh, woken up in this series now, and that's a big reason why they're winning. Well, how about Jay Gottinger plays his two best games in,
3: I don't know, four weeks in a row? Like, that has something to do with it as well.
2: Yeah, no, no question. So I look forward to that. It's also interesting because on the same night, we could watch history in the NBA is the uh, Boston Celtics. Could become the first team ever to come back from a three nothing deficit. They've pushed it to game seven. They're on the home floor. That's the difference. Dallas will be on the road for game seven. But so it's uh it's a PBR kind of night for me. I uh, I love watching history potentially being there, especially if anybody watched game six ending where Miami fans thought they won. That was ridiculous. Yeah. And then uh, the Celtics, and man, there was people writing off the Celtics, uh, you know, Magic Johnson after game, this is the worst effort I've ever seen. And he was, here he is, you know, obviously a Lakers icon, and there's a good rivalry there, And saying that Bird and all the great other uh, Celtics, Paul Pierce, they're embarrassed to be a Celtic player. And now here we are, uh, suddenly they got a chance, and man, they're on home floor. That's a game to watch. And honestly, I would love to see, Wednesday, a game seven, just because, you know, just imagine, Frank, it's only ever been four times historically between the NHL and the NBA that teams have come back to win a series down 3 nothing. In theory, you could have two of them in three days.
3: Yeah, I think the list is incredibly small when you factor in baseball, too. To think that there's potentially two cracks at it in one half of a week is
2: insane. Yeah, because while the Red Sox did it against the Yankees, right recently
3: yeah the lit, like the overall list of teams in pro sports to come back from a 3
2: nothing deficit is incredibly short yeah so if you if you're if you're a fan of drama i think you'll want to uh to check it out so you yeah, know we'll see i uh so there's four in the
3: nhl uh there is only one in baseball yeah and it's that 2004 alcs yeah
2: and the and nba nine, and has had 150 one. tries in in uh NBA. Yeah. Yep. So you're telling me it's rare. <laughs> it's, it's awesome.
3: Um, by the way, my favorite part of that NBA broadcast the other night was when Matthew Kachuk was on it. And I, I, first off, he is such a marketable personality and star. Like, Not only is he a superstar in the sense that he has all of the skills and high-end skill, but also has that edge to his game. But every time you watch him play, it seems like he's having more fun than anyone else. And that is so incredibly valuable. You throw him on the NBA on TNT set as the game is in Miami for uh, Heat Celtics. and He shows up wearing a world famous elbow room shirt, like the legendary bar on Fort Lauderdale Strip. Tyler and I may have may or may not have had a few cocktails there. During the All Star Weekend, as uh, I believe the entire Kachuk family did, posted up right inside of the the uh, the bouncer there. Like, are you kidding me? Shows up wearing that shirt. Like, get get this guy uh, passes to anything ever.
2: Well, you know what? Hey, I, and, and it's funny if you watch the interview, like. Yeah, there's there's very little hockey knowledge. And I appreciate Shaquille O'Neal who said he knew nothing. And you know, hey, he did and he say he likes hockey fights though. So yeah. shout out wow. shout
3: out to hockeyfights.com.
2: Yeah. Well, hey, it's uh I, I think a lot of people watch it because most people just simply wouldn't be able to do it, right? So that's why hockey fights is so exciting for a lot of people because they just hey, well, some people can't even stand up on skates. Never mind start throwing punches, but um, you know, Ketruck it's and Florida. Like I wonder about the rest now, Frank, because the Stanley Cup final won't start until Saturday. Yeah. Like you're too, that's 10 like, days off. Yeah. Like, I wonder if that's too much.
3: Oh, uh, I, I think a week is too much. Like you can't even fake it or simulate the game action. Like, and if the stars are to play game seven and win, or even the golden Knights to play game seven, it, I whoever wins has a significant advantage. I think in the first two games of the series. Um, and sometimes that's the difference between who wins and loses the cup.
2: Oh yeah. Yeah. You it's you can't rare. give a game or two away. Yeah. Like the, the great teams can have, can handle giving away one game, but it's pretty hard to do. So yeah, I, I think that's, I'm sure Florida would have preferred. And you're
3: opening on the road, by the way. So you're yeah. Florida, you're sitting there and you have to wait. But they've also won eight straight on the road. It's yeah. maybe, yeah, they're so crazy. So let, let's like, let's speaking of crazy, like let's get crazy. Do you think... The Panthers have a better matchup against either team, because by the time we talk again on Thursday, we're going to know what the matchup is.
2: I think they have a better matchup against Dallas. And why is that? I I think they're 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 quicker team overall. And Dallas's defense is terrible compared to Vegas. Did you see Ryan Suter again? Oh my goodness. That, that's an absolute, he needs to be taken out to pasture. Like what was he, how do you just skate away from a guy attacking from the top of the circle? It's it's mind blowing to me. And, and that just illustrates that they don't feel they have much depth, That they got to keep trotting him out as many minutes as he's played. Like that's, so that's where I think they, they would have a better matchup in Dallas because the defense core now Heiskanen's is unreal, but yeah. he can't play 60 minutes.
3: No, I I would agree with you. Um, You know, it's funny, as well as the Panthers have played, and especially when you take someone, I wonder if the rest really impacts someone like Bobrovsky. Like, he's in the zone, right? And when Mm -hmm. you see a goalie that's in a trance like that, and then you take him out for 10 days, like what is the likelihood that he just bounces back to being the Sergei Bobrovsky we've seen in the last number of regular seasons?
2: Yeah, I wonder, like, the thing about Bobrovsky is I actually felt like rest was going to do him well. He played a lot of hockey, way more, you know, especially when you consider the the quadruple overtime game and everything like that. I, I thought some rest was good, but you're right. When you get to days. a point, like, that's, that's got to be one of the longest. I got to go back and look at the cup when you've seen a team that hasn't played in that long.
3: It was, that was a, either way, I think getting to game six was a huge win for the West. Cause that's what triggered the schedule change from Wednesday, May 31st for game one to June 3rd. It's a big, big difference an additional four days. So even if, you know, let's say the, the golden Knights win game six on Monday night, it, the series still doesn't start until Saturday. So yeah. that was a significant change. And I think an advantage for the West, I, I think I don't want to predict the series too early. Cause I also want to see how these teams go
2: into it, but I think I'm leaning towards picking whoever comes out of the West. Well, I just looked at Colorado, Tampa Bay and um, Colorado played on the 6th of June and then didn't play again until the 15th. So nine days and yeah, but uh, that's
3: eight days off. This is
2: 10 days off 11 days I yeah, think, for the Panthers. So, but they and they went out and one like the rest didn't bug them because they dominated. They were at home, though. So I wonder if that plays a factor at all but uh, they went out. I'm sure you can game. find examples both ways that rest helps and hurts. Yeah. That long though. Like I, I have to ask my, uh, my stats, buddy, ten, 10 days of actual between games does <sighs> seem uh, rather long for sure. Um, so, you know, you're seeing that, uh, you know, hockey that's going on right now. Of course, the, uh, the world champions fr- Frank Frank uh, just happened. And um, I'm, I'm a big, I know that North America doesn't look at the world championships as that big of a deal because Canada and the US, a lot of their best players aren't there. They're either playing in the NHL playoffs or they opt not to go, as do other countries. It's not like Sweden and Finland and everybody had all their best players. Germany well, they also contest it every year, which makes it utterly ridiculous.
3: <laughs> I mean, what's the, the IHF? Like, okay, great. Why do you like every single, we need a world champion
2: every year. For what? Ah, they do it in other sports though. But who cares? Huh. Ah, hey those fans care. Like, do you see the Europeans? That's I think it's more of a European tradition for sure. Well, it is because it's like, never been played in in North America. So that's one. No, no, played once, remember in Canada, in Halifax. What year? Rick Rick Nash and then played in it. Oh God, I don't remember. That was in the two thousand eleven ten 10, somewhere around there. But it was played once. Okay. Yeah. Did yeah. anyone care? Oh, yeah. Oh, it was sold out every game. Okay. Right. But it was in Halifax. Oh, yeah. You're not going to put it in NHL City.
3: Yeah. Well, I guess my point is like they could sell out that rink for Canadian hockey like 27 times over.
2: Yeah. So I think like you look at, I look at Germany and Latvia. Like Germany's got dry subtle now. It's one of the best players in the world. You got most cider. You look at Stutzel. Like they, for Germany, they've never had that many elite NHL players at one time, ever. And um, I look at at them in 2018. They were silver at the Olympics. Now they're silver at the world championships. It's a way to get more kids playing the game, which is the way you have growth. It takes a long time. Latvia getting to a medal round for the first time and getting a bronze. Like Latvians are small. They don't have a ton of people playing, but oh my goodness, their fans travel. I don't know if you saw Frank. That was amazing. uh, Against the Americans, but the crowd, like the Latvians all just – Came, they're like, we got to get there and there. It was an unreal atmosphere. And, you know, I give the Americans a lot of credit. I don't know if you saw the you know the handshake that they could see how much this meant to Latvia. Right. Like, you know, it meant more than it would to the USA or, or Canada. And at least you can respect that. And um, I'm kind of curious to see, because honestly, I think hockey needs if Germany can become, you know, like Slovakia. Or, or even Shakia, you know, there are a long ways away from ever being Canada or U.S. or Sweden or anything like that. But if you can have more countries that are competitive, it just makes the Olympics and these type of events, world juniors, more meaningful because you have more teams in it that are better. Well, they desperately need it now. The sport desperately needs it
3: because there's no Russia and there's no Russia for the foreseeable future, at least according to the, the meetings that were held at, at the IHF. Uh, during this tournament basically saying doesn't really matter when this war ends with Ukraine, you're not coming back anytime soon. So as long as that's the case, like to me, that's also another thing. Like, first off, this doesn't mean any, like this doesn't mean anything to me as, as a hockey reporter or someone that watches hockey. I get that you're saying the fans care, but the best players don't go and they routinely ignore it. So like, as long as that continues to be the case, this is always going to be a second rate tournament for me. I don't care world supremacy or whatever it is, but then you add in the Russian factor of not having yet another sort of quote hockey superpower there. It just further waters down what is already mostly a meaningless tournament anyway. So um, to me, like not to, to pour, you know, any cold water on it. It just, it doesn't even register in the U S. Oh no, I wouldn't think so. But, like, Canadians watch it because Canada is expected to win every year, and Canada won for the 28th time on Sunday.
2: Yeah.
3: but So Canadians watch it, but, like, Europeans may care. And by the way, none of that absolves sort of how embarrassing the U.S. loss was. To have one of their best showings ever in the world start out, I think it was 8-0, and then lose both of the medal round games
2: yikes yeah it wasn't a great ending for the u.s and so the u.s can they don't care and 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 no offense they probably don't need the u.s fan base to care because you want to u.s hockey is growing and improving it's take leaps and bounds but you go back to 1980 and there there always is a stepping off point u.s didn't care about hockey until they had a great upset really they didn't up until 1980, it wasn't a big deal, and even then, it wasn't like it was a quick turnaround. But 80, and then again, when they were when it's the this, when the US won this the tournament,
3: it's a money grab, though. I'm not. I refuse to believe that it has any impact on building the sport somewhere else.
2: What, what's like the money? consider
3: consider this? Who where does the money go? This is this funds the entire IHF for like for the year. Consider yeah. this: they played the tournament in years where there's also the Olympics. How dumb! Oh, that, is that? Yeah,
2: that makes no sense. It's yeah. it's
3: all of this ever has been is about cash, not about history, not about bragging rights, not about anything except for cash. So like, let's let's understand what the IHF is about. Yeah,
2: well, is is that different than any other pro sports league?
3: It's not a pro sports league. It's supposed to be a not-for-profit federation. Yeah, that that is the governing body of hockey. No, it's it's not. It's not a league.
2: Yeah, it's not a league, but my point is it, it still has professional athletes in it. Is there a professional sports? I don't care if you call it tournament anything that isn't about money. Of course it is. It's the number one basis of all of them.
3: It's not like it's this. It's utterly ridiculous one. that this is contested every year. Yeah. To determine Canada. what?
2: World champion.
0: Yeah,
3: well, congratulations.
0: I got a question about the double it's
3: line. A. Golf clap for Canada's twenty-eighth world championship that no one cares about.
0: Would the tournament be better if they started it a month and a half later or potentially did it like right off the bat in September? Do you think they'd get more more people, more more quality players in it or no?
2: No, you, well, you definitely wouldn't get it. if you started later, you, you'd have even fewer players because now they've had time off from playing. And, um, you know, even even the fact that they've moved it back to May is why some guys say no because they've already been out for a month and now they're into their off season training. I've talked to some players. I know who turned it down this year and they're just like, man, it was a little, it was a little too late afterwards. I don't want to go back because now by the time you end, it's the end of May and then you got to start. And so a lot of guys want to start their training routine a little bit earlier. Um, Doing it in September. uh, I I don't think you'll ever have that happen. The NHL, heck the NHL barely wants to have like, you know, having their own world cup, which they should have, by the way. Um, so it, it'll never go there it's always going to stay at, at the spot it is and it doesn't have to be a perfect tournament uh, at all but this is more for the europeans and that's fine um you know there's tournaments So then let's also. call it the euro oh I, it's world championship like come on the euro fans care more that's all that's the only group that cares just ah, call Canadian. it the euro cup that's it. Canadian fans watch it. They, they know what it is. People know what it's about, right? It's because every time your country loses, it's, it's well, just, it wasn't the best. We
3: could talk about this forever. All I'm saying, the only point is the best players in the world routinely shrug. If they're out of the playoffs, they're like, eh. You have to actually convince players to go. Like, and, and you're talking about like third rate nhl players i know that i'm not demeaning anyone that went this year but you're talking about guys that were fringe players in and out of the lineup for some of these teams this year that they had to convince to go to say that this is a world championship is just a farce it's an absolute farce i'm sorry i can't i can't talk about it anymore i'm done
2: oh geez talk about full outrage um, no, I just. It's are just, we like, allowed to talk to Memorial Cup? Can we talk Memorial Cup, or is that not big enough for you? Because it doesn't have all the best junior players. It doesn't have enough Americans in it. Can we talk Memorial Cup? No, it's
3: not. Have? It's not. It has nothing to do with uh, American or Canadian or any. It's just like when the best players routinely decide to not go. Yeah, I don't know how it could be a thing. You, you but what the what Memorial Cup, is? the best
2: players are playing because sure. they won their leagues, and then there's the host city. Yeah, but it's not European, whatever. But my point is, hockey's biggest problem is it's too damn elite. That's hockey's biggest problem globally. So I'm not going to shit on a tournament because it's not the elite of the elite. That's the biggest problem with hockey and the lack of okay. growth is because there's too much elitism around it. To say, oh, if it's not the best of the best, or my ten year old isn't on the best team, it doesn't matter. That's hockey's biggest problem. That's why it doesn't grow.
3: Use I basketball. think that's fair. That's just not exactly look at basketball what I'm
2: tournaments saying. around the world and why basketball they play massive tournaments. Look at soccer. Soccer has the Euro Championship. It's huge. It doesn't even have everybody in the world, and people go crazy over. it. Yeah. You're right. Right. So to me, but the hockey, best players in soccer play in the Euro, but they don't all go, they don't all go to qualifying. They don't go to all those games that matter. And some of their countries don't make it because of that. Yeah. So to me, I just, I don't like shitting on it because I know what it's about. And as a big deal for Latvia and Germany, it was massive. Those. Yeah, two, no. Uh, and I'm
3: not taking anything away from their accomplishment. I like to see the scene in Latvia. It's a, it's a freaking national holiday today. That's awesome.
2: I also learned the one thing I didn't know about Latvia is whoever they knock out of the world championship. The next day they go to their, um, um, embassy. Stand, an embassy and drop off flowers yeah. just, and not to just say, Hey, thanks, which is a pretty nice. Cool thing. The Latvian fans, the ones that I've met, the one world championship I went to, they might be the nicest people ever. Yeah. And God, do they like to party yeah. like fire jumping? Frank, if you've never done, it's like a Latvian tradition. You jump over the fire. Mm. That's when you know you're at a real party is when you're Latvian fire jumping. You've never tried it, do it once. It can I'm be a gonna, little risky. I'm gonna have to Google it first. No, oh, I've done it. Uh you well, you know Spec. He's uh he's he's part Latvian, so done it at his parties too. I've seen a few people where it didn't end well. Um let's bring in uh Tyya Remchuk
0: again. Hey, get this thing back on the rails, talk about some real hockey topics. <laughs> uh, I'm just Screw around. Uh, Buy or sell brought to you by our friends at Patano. The game's uh. now patano.ca. Uh, I'll be honest. I wrote this question assuming the Golden Knights would move on. And now I'm worried I won't get a chance to ask it if they get bounced by our next episode. Matt Kachuk and Jack Eichel are both top five forwards in the NHL. Buy or sell, Jason. Oh, yeah, I am selling. Um, you don't have don't- Eichel? Forwards, not players. Forwards.
2: Yeah. Well, I look at the, the the forward list. So, McKinnon, Drysdale, McDavid, Kachuk, and Eichel are your top five forwards in the league. Probably not.
0: So, right? Hmm. I was just struggling. There seems to
3: be a very anti-American bias on this pod today. Uh, I'm that gonna have s- nothing to do with America. I just mentioned
0: a <laughs> just German Jesus.
3: Um I'm gonna, s- uh, you know. I might buy it.
0: I was trying to think of who the forward I'd put in over them right now. Would well,
3: be. it would be not right now. We're dealing with a heavy recency bias. Like, hello, Austin Matthews. Hello, David Pasternak. Yeah. I mean, heavy, Rico. heavy recency bias. Like, I, You know, I could be talked into it, but I would likely sell. Um, I think Matthew Kachuk is part of the five, but I, it's Eichel that I...
2: Like Miko Rantanen is a man. I take that guy. I, I think. He's yeah, out. I
3: have a hard time picking Eichel over any of those guys.
2: Kucherov? off, like
3: <laughs> Jack uh, Hughes. I mean, he might not I'd even. They might not even. Like if we were to do the top five American
2: players, uh, I'd still take Braden Point over Jack Eichel when I look at career. Oh yeah, and he just scored fifty goals this year. So yeah.
3: Basically, Jason saying your your question was shit, so you yeah, no. could have not top asked it.
0: And top ten maybe would have had you guys.
3: Top it. ten? No, I I would probably say top ten. Yes.
0: Like
2: like Eichel, I, I think it's too. You got. I look at a bigger picture. Is Eichel having a really good playoffs career. Yeah, but heck, Tage Thompson had emerged as a better player up until the playoffs this year, right? Mitch Marner. I know Mitch Marner's playoff record, although Mitch Marner still has forty seven points in fifty games, so. It's not like he's completely dud. So like Jack Eichel to to want to slide him up to the top 10, I, I wouldn't even put him there to be honest. Yeah. I think that's, that's a stretch.
0: Mm-hmm. All right. Second one I got for you guys. Uh, goalie trades this off season. One of Soros or Hellebuck is moved this summer. Frank by herself.
3: Buy. Yourself. Bye. I think the likelihood is way more on Hellebuck than Soros. And you guys are both nodding, so I think that means I said something smart. Mm-hmm. Um, I I also think like any anyone that's calling with a real offer, the Preds should be listening. Hey, I, and I, to- I I think to- the Flyers are in the same spot with Carter Hart and Danny Briere. Actually, said it this weekend. Um, mm-hmm. He said it's not my intention to trade Carter Hart, but if someone calls, I need to listen and. That's just the nature of where the Flyers are at. I, I don't, the Preds are like in this mushy middle that they got to find a way to get out of. And you, you could argue that Soros is the way out, but I just don't look at the rest of their team and their forward group and, and beyond Yossi on defense say, man, this is a team that is even close to competing. And if that's the case, and someone's knocking your door down with a great offer for Soros, you, you might have to take it.
2: Oh, I mentioned Soros at the trade deadline where I, uh, when I looked at a team like Edmonton, if they were going to go all in, they would have made a massive deal for Soros and Ekholm and and include some significant pieces in it, but obviously didn't transpire. I'll buy as well. I think like the Winnipeg Jets to me would be top of the list of most fascinating franchises to watch. Kevin Dayoff has got some big decisions to make. What are they going to do? And you know, we saw it last year, Frank, um, with with Kachuk at one level. He was a year away from free agency. And then Johnny Gaudreau, um, now he just left at the end. But I think you're going to see some teams and you're going to see a few players a year out to say, you know what? I don't want to sign. And I think teams are going to follow what Tree Living did. Like, and I know that Frank doesn't love the tournament, but Mackenzie Weger, I thought Mackenzie Weger finished pretty strong in Calgary. And he was excellent in that tournament. And considering the amount of negativity, that's the word of the day I've heard from people in Calgary about how much negativity there was around Sutter this year that I think Huberdo and Weger, I know right now kachuk everybody's like, Oh, this is a slam dunk killer trade. And obviously it's worked out well, but I think it's too early to say it hasn't, it's not going to work out for Calgary at the same time. It didn't work out this year, but trades are never about one year. And so Hellebuck, That's a massive, because what do you do? You got to get a goalie back because it's not like they have a young guy ready to replace him. That's, that's the challenge in Winnipeg. Well, just to
3: comment quickly on the trade itself, like I I agree with you, it's too early to evaluate. Remember how everyone was absolutely crushing the Canadians a few years back on the Shea Weber for PK Subban trade. The Preds go to the Stanley Cup final. The first year Subban is there and it's this amazing, like, oh my God, can't believe that was the deal. And then. Three years later, Suban's out of the league, essentially, and Shea Weber has the Canadians playing in the final. Like, things change. That said, what's really the complicating factor and what the Panthers were trying to avoid doing was signing Huberto and Uyghur to those contracts, yeah. which are super expensive. And I think if now you could go back if you were Calgary, you know, obviously hindsight is twenty
2: twenty. based on the season that they had. You, you wouldn't
3: be signing them to those deals.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uyghur, I think you still might, but Huberto probably not. I it's think just
3: the fair. term for
2: Uyghur. It's not the AAV like cheese. It's, it's the term that really sticks wow. out eight years, man. I I've, I'll, I'll say it every time I can five year max after the age of 27 would help players and the league. It's it, it's easy to say hard to do. Yeah. Wow. But the, if the players, all they got to do is crunch the numbers. Cause let's be honest, it's only a select few that get, over five years anyway. Right. And those guys, if they're still good, which they will be, they'll end up making more money. Like all they got to do is look at the NBA. I think they'll just end up making the same money. You think they would?
3: Yeah. Cause it's always about the target total dollars that the years are mostly irrelevant to them that I think they end up making the same.
0: Uh, just quickly a note on Soros. Like the reason I'm interested in that one, Jason, you mentioned if the Jets trade Hellebuck, they have no one. Like the Preds have Askarovs in yes. the minors, yes. right? And Soros is two years away from unrestricted free agency. Like if you think Askarov's is going to be your next guy, why would you not move Soros at his maximum value right now?
2: So that'd be my question. If you were a team and you would have to trade the exact same amount of assets, who would you want? Soros or Hellebuck? I would actually prefer Soros.
0: Get the extra year unless you're getting Hellebuck extended, maybe it's different, but sorrows 28, 5 million bucks for two more years. That's unbelievable. Great. value. All right. Third one I got for you Uh, heading out East. I'm going to say one of Timo Meyer or Jesper Brat will not be back with the devils next year. Frank, you buying or selling?
3: Mm, I get where you're heading and I like where your head's at in terms of making all the dollars fit in New Jersey because it does become, I know they've got a ton of cap space, but it does become a bit of an issue at a certain point with all the players that they have to sign. And when you look at Ed Meyer's qualifying offer, um, $10 bucks and another 73-point season from yes for Brat, I'm going to say they're both back. I'm going to sell.
2: Yeah, I don't think they make that trade for Timo Meyer if and knowing exactly what the the qualifying offer would have to be. Although I could see them qualifying him and then still sign an extension. That doesn't mean he gets ten million as an AAV. I could easily see. I could easily see him sign an extension, even maybe before, but even after, because you have time to negotiate before he you know you file for arbitration if you do. So, um, I'm curious though. You know they, they got quite a few guys who are RFAs and who are. Arbitration eligible. And I just, I i think they're going to walk for someone. Um, Sharon Govich, maybe. Um, I mean, I just wonder where, where they're going to be financially. So, but I, I will buy as well. I think both of those two uh, will be back. I'm going to say this both will be signed. I'm not sold that uh, they don't trade, Brat, but both will be signed. They have to trade Mackenzie Blackwood, right? Or does not well, qualify him, Frank? No, they're not going to qualify him. I don't think he's four point. I he's he's at
3: 3. the top three point three
2: six in terms of non QO.
0: And they yeah. got Schmid and uh, Vanacek under.
3: But I still think they need to do something in goal anyway. To think that you have this roster that you think can compete for a cup now. How do you rely on Vanacek? Yeah. He wasn't well, even your guy in the playoffs.
2: No, but Mackenzie Blackwood, Frank. I think he has, yeah, like he has to be qualified at like three point three six or something, and that's a that's a pretty big, especially when he got to Akira. Yeah, Shmied.
3: no, Blackwood is not coming back.
2: Yeah, I, I, no one's going to trade for him. I think he will just
3: let the QO. Yeah. But I guess my point is, I, I meant I brought the goaltending up to just say they have to do something, don't they?
0: Why can't they run back Banachek? and like Schmidt's twenty three? No reason to think he can't have a, a good year, like be a. Yeah,
3: I, I just like I wouldn't want. I, I understand the season that Vanacek had, but when you have numbers the way that you do in the playoffs for Vanacek, like I'm sorry. He's made 10 starts now. Or sorry, 10 appearances, seven starts, and his save percentage is eight thirty-four. Yeah, eight
2: thirty-four. Well, it's better than eight twenty. I'm kidding. It's awful, but
3: <laughs> well, this so, season it was eight twenty five. And so here's seven, the question seven games. Though.
2: So if you, if you don't get hella or, or sorrows, is there any other goal you could acquire that you think you would feel more confident knowing what they would do for you? I think that's the challenge of the goalie position. Well, That's
3: that's why I think Carter Hart comes into play because he's young yeah. and because he's, he's at, you know, at some point going to be an RFA again. So he, he remains under team control. Yeah. Um, I I he's got one more season at three point nine and then he's an RFA. Like, why so like let's go around the league though. Like we could play the goalie game at some point. I I think one of the teams that had some interest at some point in Carter Hart was the LA Kings. And that's a team that you're like, Oh, that
2: makes sense. Like Uh, Corpusalo and Copley are both UFAs, right?
3: No, Copley re signed.
2: Yeah. Oh, did he? Okay. Oh, yeah, sorry. Cheap one year deal. Yeah, right. But I don't think that they think he's a starter, so.
0: I don't know if they would trade Hart in division, but, I mean, you look at needs for both sides. Nashville would probably want to add some young forwards into that system. The Devils, when you look at having, you know, Hughes, Heeshire, Mercer, Bratt, Meyer, Sharon Govich, all these young forwards. What about, like, Alexander Holt's top 10 pick? Flip them for UC Soros. Each team gets a little bit of what they want.
2: They probably have to give up even more than that. Yeah. I would think so.
0: Yeah. That's a good point.
2: Uh, all right. Let's, uh, wrap up. Oh, probably Vanisek, right. Like you have to get my goalie back. I would think okay.
0: I got two more for you guys. Uh, I've been doing this bit on Oilers nation every day, uh, the trade machine. And I, someone, not me is coming up with a mock trade proposal and, uh, you guys can buy or sell. Give who, me, a- who
3: is this guy? Is this Eklund? Like who, who, who is this anonymous
0: trade machine guy? Can't say his name because he doesn't want to catch heat if uh, if anyone thinks the trade ideas are bad. So uh, I'll throw you guys two two of my favorites I've done from like two weeks of uh, of doing this bit: Kevin Hayes and a 2024 third round pick for Sam Gerrard and a 2024 first round pick. Who says no to that, Frank? The abs? Are you kidding me? You think that's too much for Kevin Hayes?
3: Oh, yeah, I think even just getting Sam Gerrard straight up wow. is too much.
0: OK.
2: Oh, yeah. You're not getting Gerard Anna first. Right? Are you kidding me? The Flyers would be.
3: That's the, the best flyers, your machine
2: came up with. The well, flyers would be on the treadmill quickly sprinting.
3: Yeah. They would walk to Denver to go make that happen, <laughs> especially for a team that's trying to get better on the back end.
0: So uh, it wasn't even close. The old trade machine. How about this one? Eric Carlson at 35 percent retained to Ottawa. For Jake Sanderson, a 2024 first. No
3: chance. Stop. Stop now. Stop. No, stop. Jake
0: Sanderson. Jake buried. Sanderson
3: is already considered more valuable than Eric Carlson, straight oh, up.
0: There, even with all the money straight, retained.
3: Straight up doesn't even even if you retained half. Jake Sanderson here. I have my hands in the air. Eric Carlson down here.
2: You'd have a better chance of that trade happening if it was Shabbat than Carlson because Shabbat's not as yep. sound defensively as, uh, and I don't think, I don't think Ottawa's you'd
3: have a better chance getting pregnant than that trade happening.
2: Yeah. <laughs> like you have okay. a better chance he, of Frank buying tickets to the world championship.
3: <laughs> <laughs> so, but here's the thing. If Ottawa was going to make that move, I don't think, I don't know why you would have to give up an asset from your roster unless you're trying to unload a contract. Like, I think they could, you could pull off that, 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 First off, why would San Jose want anything back? They're not trying yeah. to be good.
2: They'd want Sanderson back. <laughs> of
3: course they would. Yeah. Like, come on. I like I view Sanderson among like the top five young player, like young, oh, young players in
2: the league. I really like him and Owen Power, man. I think the uh, Ottawa and Boston. There's not much separating those two. No, they're they're both really good players. Like I honestly, I think I think Sanderson will will pass Shabbat. In how they well he already is like if you look at D zone starts and stuff I think just I think they look at him as a better defender with some off some really good offensive upside as well I
3: think your trade machine algorithm needs a little ah, what was a the little word? lubrication
0: the other day Frank uh, William Nylander straight up for UC Sorrows
3: that one was interesting yeah was, see like that one made me that's think. What makes think you threw think. at me today I was like. What in God's creation
2: were they? Big swings. That's what they Sorrows are. Sorrows for Nylander. It's always like Nashville needs somebody who can score for sure. Like, I think Toronto's making that trade in a heartbeat. I think Nashville would need more.
0: I think Toronto, like, it's just weird, though. Like, goalie trades are always so tough to gauge the value on. So that's why I'm like, man, Nylander good. Like, yeah, he's uh, good, what?
2: but he doesn't Sorrows. really help the Preds, though. No, that's what I'm saying. You'd have to add more.
0: Yeah, or no, you could get him extended and he could be a long term piece there.
3: Like the reason right. the Preds were even in the playoff conversation was sorrows and not
2: their lack of scoring or whatever else.
0: Yeah, no, that's a good point.
2: All right. That well, Nashville. Nashville's a tough spot, man, because Nashville, and I know their fans are, Nashville's going to have to be bad if they ever want to get out of kind of that middle purgatory that they're like, they're being a competitive Just going to say. But they're just not – they don't have – especially in today's NHL. Today's NHL, yeah, goalies are important. They're not – this is not the the mid-90s, early 2000s where goalies were almost everything. You you can win with okay goaltending now if you have sound defense and especially if you have really good offense. I think – and you need offense. Carolina proved it. He had good goals. Look at their goaltending numbers. And they lost because they couldn't score to save their life. So if you were going to rank the,
3: like, situations of teams to take over, like, hey, I'd like to, like, I'd love that job to jump in and really remake things. Like, I think the Preds are somewhere between 28 and 31 in terms
2: of remaking that roster. It's difficult because they've got a stretch to say. They've got some really quality players, Frank. But I don't think they're good. It's it's hard to find enough good players to be. A Quality player. players on bad contracts outside of Yossi. Yeah, and Soros. And Soros.
3: I don't mind Forsberg, but like Duchesne but and Johansson. The McDonough deal is bad. Yeah. Uh, Duchesne, Johansson, all like, I just, I don't. Yeah. No, that's and they tough- don't have a ton coming in their system that you're like, oh man, I'm
2: super excited about this. Yeah. Curious what Barry Trotz can, you know, he's been around the league a long time. Frank, we've never seen him as a manager. So what's a uh, curious to see if
3: he's going to make a coaching change?
2: Yeah, because there has not
3: been any. Yeah, it sounds like it, but there hasn't been any movement on that front. So by the way, uh, whenever you wrap with um, buy or sell, I have some thoughts on some other
0: stuff. Well, I will get out of your way. Then I'll go back to tinkering the trade machine algorithm (laughs) and uh, get out of here.
3: That was epic. Sanderson for Carlson. <laughs> what? And Ugh. NHL 23 would reject that.
0: Come on now.
3: <laughs> All right. So, uh, Jay, like to set up the week, um, I think there's an incredible domino effect that's going to take place. And I just don't know what what's the first one to fall. Because you've got Kyle Dubas with the pens, and there's a bunch of people in line for that job if he doesn't get it. Then you've got the Sens and their ownership decision, which if I'm Kyle Dubas and I'm sitting there in that spot, knowing that you could have a job at any point that you kind of really want one. I don't know that I'm taking the only job that's available to me at this exact moment in time. Meaning, why would you give an answer to the Pens until you can get one from the Sens? Hmm,
2: you're so, you didn't know it. Um I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. Like you just talked about Nashville. Now Pittsburgh has, you know, Crosby and they got Malkin, they got Letang. Um, but, you know, Jake you know, I look at Pittsburgh and I think you go there, you've got like a two-year chance to want to go. And so, and then if, if you want to make a comparison, you say, okay, Pittsburgh's got a two-year chance to win, th- three maybe, let's say three. A lot of people will say, well, Edmonton has a, a three. I might stretch that more, especially because worst case scenario, it's three because if, of if McDavid leaves. So you say, okay, Pittsburgh, would you rather have Edmonton's team or Pittsburgh's team as a GM for the next three years? I think everybody would take Edmonton. So why, if you're Kyle Dubas, do you want to take that job when Ottawa has a lot of really good young players and everybody yep. thinks their escalator's going up? So I agree wholeheartedly with you.
3: Yeah, but so then there's a trickle down effect from there. Like, let's say, Michael Anlauer gets the Sens, which a lot of people believe he's one of the favorites. Do the Edmonton Oilers then make a decision to promote Steve Steos? And if not, does Steos become the next GM of the Sens? Where does that leave Dubas in relation to all of that? And then you've got then the head coaching carousel starts to spin, right? Because some of these coaching decisions haven't really happened yet based on some of these GM decisions. Like what happens with Sheldon Keefe in Toronto? What happens with DJ Smith in Ottawa? What happens with John Hines in Nashville? And then you've got all these other openings that no one has really made a decision on yet, partially because they're all waiting. Like no one really wants to dive into a job yet because they're like, well, how do I know that I, if I sign up here that I wouldn't be a candidate for that job over there?
2: Well, and then you throw in the Toronto GM job, too. That's a pretty big job. So, yeah, I think it's uh, it's kind of fascinating that because it's risky if you're Dubas to say, well, I'm going to turn down the Penguins because I want to wait, see if I get the Ottawa job. Then you don't get the Ottawa job. Now, but then what's the worst job. case scenario?
3: Then you sit yeah. out the year and you wait until someone gongs their GM in the middle of it, which someone yeah. will do. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Then, no, so exactly. then, uh, so like there is no risk really for Kyle Dubas, like to think that he can't get another GM job. Someone will give him one, whether it's, you know, May or June of this year or May of June of next year, doesn't really make a difference unless he didn't save his money properly, which I doubt is the case.
2: Yeah. And then it comes down to would Pittsburgh still, because there is something to work with Sidney Crosby, who's probably going to go down as top five player of all time when he retires. Right. I, I think there's a strong conversation to be had that he's right in there. So would would you just want to just to be able to work with someone like that and, and see his work ethic and learn stuff like that would be. Intre- that's not that a be reason be- you take a job. No, eh, I don't want to so. because you mentioned the GMs who get fired. If they, let's say a GM gets fired in the first 40 games of the season, Frank, it's unlikely, not not impossible, but unlikely that that's a good team. You know what I mean?
3: Yeah, but I would say even just comparing pens and sends, I don't even think they're in the same ballpark in terms of how attractive the opportunities are. Like Pittsburgh, you need to, outside of the chance to rub shoulders and work with Sidney Crosby, you're looking at like, you have a justified ask to go in there and say you want a seven-year contract as the next GM. Based on all the work that needs to take place. Yeah, no, that's totally fair. So unless you really value the security, or like I've mentioned before, unless there's something else from Fenway Sports Group that they're putting on the table for you to be the head of strategy that includes Liverpool soccer and and mm-hmm. and the Red Sox, which like I don't know why they like he doesn't have the credentials to do that. Why would they? Unless there's something else in it for you that really scratches your itch, then I don't know why you'd pick the pens over the cents. Because everything that we've ever sort of m- I don't want to say mocked, but like, you look at the Ottawa situation, and you've said, "Oh, this is, you know, embarrassing." It all stemmed from ownership, and Eugene True. Melnick's dead. Yeah. So, uh, not to rain uh, on his parade, or 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 to uh, to sprinkle on his grave. Now you have a new owner coming in, and likely a new arena that follows in short order, and one of the best young rosters in the NHL and prospect groups. Plus, if you're Kyle Dubas, like again, not a huge factor, but you grew up rooting for that team. I, I just I don't know how you could pick. Maybe he maybe he'll do it. Maybe we're going to post this pod, and he's going to just say without having clarity on the Sens ownership situation, just say I'm going to work for the Pittsburgh Penguins. Maybe he will. I just. Don't know why you jump back in at the first opportunity that presents itself just to do it.
2: That's totally valid. And and the other question is if you're the Ottawa ownership, Frank, and you just outlined all the reasons why you should have arrows pointing up for this franchise, do you want a rookie GM? Right? Like, do you want a GM with experience? I'll, I'll be curious what the mindset is. And will an ownership group retain Pierre Dorian? He seems to be awfully confident that they will.
3: I haven't re like everyone has openly speculated now that there's a GM change coming. Yeah. Well, I think there's a nine in 10 chance that they make a change, but now they're also up against the clock unless they come in, you know, taking assuming control of this team and, and pulling the trigger immediately. You're dealing with all the same issues that we've talked about. All show RFAs, UFAs coach, draft all these things that need to get
2: tackled in the next 32 days like there's a lot to do are you surprised that there still hasn't been a decision on the ownership group in ottawa it seems like it's kind of
3: i i thought we were trending towards early last week and the fact that it slipped into this week now with a u.s holiday it does surprise me and i just don't know what's at play like it can't be about every last dollar but the fact that this Nico Sparks bid is still in in play is like utterly mind blowing. Like just just to let you know like what I've seen, I've seen emails and decks that are pitching the Nico Sparks bid to investors. And the one thing that I put in, in my tweet was that they acknowledged quote this is somewhat of an urgent matter. Like, AKA, hurry up and get your money in because we're up against a deadline here. And it was funny because I saw Nico Sparks refer to this reporting on his Twitter as, quote, the haters. I don't know what that means. It's just reporting facts. Um, The haters are in the way of this bit. Like, what? Who is Nico Sparks, by the way? go, go. I'm telling you, go research him. Go figure it out. You tell me if you can answer the question. Who is Nico Sparks?
2: Well, you know
3: he has less than four hundred followers on Twitter. I don't know how that's possible. Uh, His Instagram doesn't have much more. And what? Who is he? Where does he come from? How did he attain wealth? What kind of wealth does he have? And who is actually backing this bid? Because even the people that they've talked to for potential investors. They're asking, hey, who's leading this bid? And the answer is, well, you know, we have a billionaire here and we have a billionaire there and a billionaire there. And we're trying to decide. Yeah. Oh, okay. So you're trying to decide, like, just tell me who it is because I'm not investing money if not. And then all of a sudden, when you say that, then you become ghosted and they stop talking to you when you actually ask and press them for details, just as when you look for Nico Sparks online. Where does he work? Who's he's in contact with? Where's his office? Oh wait, that property is closed. Uh, this site is password protected. This, this, and this. It's it's no joke when people in the NHL tell me that the NHL has another John Spano on their hands. Show me the money. Like we're now at the stage of like where where are the goods? And the fact that you're soliciting investors now and saying it's urgent means that you haven't the whole time.
2: I honestly think Frank. The, when you have two other reputable bids, what are you even wasting your time on that one for?
3: Well, that's the theory is that they're using the Nico Sparks bid to bid up the others. But aren't the bids already in now? Nope. They keep they keep trying to juice them up a bit. It's yeah. these aren't just like here's your number and that's it, and like it's not like a silent auction where you like you write down your number and submit it, and then they just pick the winner. That's not how it works.
1: Oh, it's,
3: wow. it's, it's a wild process. And to tell you what, that's what these other two or three legitimate bidders are saying. They're like, we we submitted our bid. Like, why are we bidding against ourselves?
2: Well, that's what I mean, 100%. And so I, I know, it, it seems like a an odd game of cat and mouse to play if you're the NHL. But sadly, when you look at past history, Frank, uh, you mentioned Spanos. Heck, there was a 30 for 30 on it because it was so crazy. Spanos, um, yeah. it's a, It's an
3: unreal. If you haven't seen that 30 for 30, it's called Big Shot. You oh. got to check it out. It's an amazing, amazing hour of your time.
2: And he wasn't the only one. There's been a few other shady owners and, and ownership oh, bids. Boots, Baggio,
3: Bittman. and there's yeah, a like million under, of them.
2: Under Gary Bettman's reign. Like, if you want to look at the one big, that's been it. So he gets fooled by, you know, the talkers and what have you. And so... You sure can't afford to do that this time. And the fact that they're even still in play, I I just, it it soils it a little bit.
3: It should, because why are you entertaining potentially inauthentic people? But I I mean, I guess they also put a deposit down that is non-refundable if they win the bid and squelch at the last minute. So maybe that's real cash yeah the spano story i I went back and read it again it's just so epic but the money so he he was like he was supposed to show up with a 17 million dollar deposit and then they they were like oh there must be a problem with the wire and then it was like they sent a wire for 1700 like oh there must have been an issue at the bank there's missing a few zeros i don't know why they would do that
2: yeah Um, it just kept
3: going and going and going and then like what was that uh the story from jim lights who's still uh Uh, working as as president of the Dallas Stars said something like he was like courting us to buy the team and we went out to lunch and he made me pick up the tab. (laughs) (laughs) He's like, in all my years spending time around sports owners, I've never seen anyone be like, hey, you got this?
2: Oh, that's awesome. So, yeah, I I got to think they want that sold. So there is actually, you know, there's the game six, which is pivotal. And then we'll see if it's game seven or we're we talking about the cup on Thursday. Well, either way, we're talking about the cup. But the uh, Ottawa, Toronto, Pittsburgh, and then the coaching carousel. There's uh, there's lots of storylines in the NHL right now that are, that are going on. It'll be uh, interesting. And um, also, uh, Frank, so I'm curious to see if the trend of the Memorial Cup, which is very early, it's been a lot of blowouts. Uh, early on and uh, i would like to think that will change but uh and the games become a little bit more competitive but it's been an odd tournament with uh the three games as the time we record this have been 6 eight three six three and ten two which just doesn't happen very often like so you know Peter bore to get spanked 10 to 2 at the Memorial Cup. That's just it's kind of rare. So we'll yeah. uh we'll see how it goes. Frankie have yourself a good week and uh you let us know on Thursday because it's funny how you mentioned Nico Sparks because I was like I never heard of this guy. And I tried finding him. I'm like, God, am I like the worst reporter? I can't find anything on this it's guy. It's not you, buddy. So I'm happy to happy to hear that he doesn't – like you look at Ann Lauer, man. There's like pages and pages and you can see all this stuff. And So, like, so for so, – like again, like I, I'm a nobody, right? So for someone that
3: is this big boy Hollywood producer, whatever he's into – um how do you have 594 followers on Twitter? Like my account is private on Instagram that I only post pictures of my kids and I nearly have as many follow like how? No. Yeah. Where where what? But then the, think- then he keeps posting this stuff like what do you love about Ottawa? He said this is what I love about Ottawa, my favorite moment with a complete stranger and he's wearing a Sens jersey. Like legitimate question, like not demeaning and and like I don't know how big of a a fan the rest of these guys are, but like how many times had he been to Ottawa before this bid process started?
2: Yeah. Well, nothing on his social media says that. And most now maybe he's an ultra because I always try to give people the benefit of the doubt. I'm like, oh, maybe he's just not a guy who uses social media. But then I'm like, when are you? If you don't social media, you're still going to have business tracks actions and you're going to have your name and in, in other things. It just doesn't the, exist. No, there's nothing. It's, you know, unless this guy's the greatest Keep my life Stealth. out of the spotlight. Yeah, it's but he's
3: not because he's searching for it. You can yeah. see him retweet other news stories that are propping up his bid, like stuff from CTV News and stuff about Snoop. And he, he retweets all of it. He's dying for the coverage. Yeah. So, But then says, uh, sorry for reacting. Uh, I love Ottawa, the team, and deeply believe everything we stand for. Inclusiveness and in the Stanley Cup. I apologize for responding to the personal attacks. Leveled at me. They're not personal attacks. It's literal facts. Wow. No. You are and, still sending out emails and decks asking for money, saying that it's urgent.
2: And, and this and is not a personal
3: use... attack. It's fact.
2: Well, you're trying to use the word inclusive on everything. I'm just like, stop. Right? If that to me, that to me is like, oh, what words can I use that are going to people support me? Like, I, I don't, you know, hey, I. I'm a big supporter of everybody being even, but you don't have to use that word all the time to me. It can be used sometimes overly used in a desperate form. And it's kind of what it reads here. So, uh, cause hey, I have, I've read Bruce Garriott and, you know, Ian Mendez and guys, I mean, covering this. And that's the one group that there seems to be the least amount of information on. Mm, yep. Yeah. So, well, we'll see what happens, Frank. Hopefully if you're a Sens fan, you're probably like, God, Finish this. Let's find out who the owner is and move on.
3: Well, they're already turning against this Sparks Group, saying like, "Come on, they're they're
2: starting to get it and and get a whiff of it." Yeah, and it's not pretty. And honestly, I think the NHL. The longer they keep them in, it just I know people will forget down the road, but it just doesn't look good. In my opinion. Well, let's see because there's uh, there's
3: people saying that some of these other bidders don't have the coin either. So,
2: well, we know Ann Lauer does. Thanks for listening to the DFO Rundown with Sarah Volley and
1: Gregor. Keep it locked on dailyfaceoff.com and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode.
0: Small details are big surfaces, tight corners are odd shapes, flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right.
1: Market.
0: but there's more. You gotta decide if the total amount of goals in the game will be over or under a certain amount and that's where the real strategy starts to kick in. Next up, you're picking who's gonna find the back of the net first and you're gonna wanna be careful because that's one that could be cooked early on In the game. And finally, you got to predict which period is going to be the highest scoring. Will it be a barn burner in the first, a shootout in the second, or a nail biter in the third? That's up to you to decide. Now, let's talk about prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? For the daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards to treat yourself to some fresh nation gear, and you might even win a jersey from your favorite team. And for the big dogs, those who can win an entire round, it's straight